Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. For all of the attention today that we will rightfully give Nikola Jokic and his incredible performance as the NBA Finals MVP, he's not the only star that has risen over the course of the last couple of months, and he's not the only star that the Denver Nuggets will be banking on moving forward. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. It's interesting to me, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. It's interesting to me because, frankly, Harry, we talk so much about Jokic, but one of the names you and I have talked a lot on this show about is Jamal Murray. And there's a real question to be had right now about his platform because as much as we've seen Batman and Robin and as much as we've seen dynamic duos, really part of this ascension was about him becoming part of that dynamic duo of Batman and Batman. I believe not only will we see Jokic differently because of this championship, we will see Jamal Murray differently because of this entire playoff run, because of the efficiency, because the ability to take over, because of the ability when he needed to to come out and be the dominant presence he had to be. The Nuggets don't have one superstar. I think they are sitting at the point where they now have two. And I think for Jamal Murray fits when I look at the totality of his career, I think the journey is important because when you go through things on your journey in which they just won the NBA championship last night, the Denver Nuggets and Jamal Murray and company, when you get to that moment, it's the journey that you remember the most and what you had to go through to get to that moment. And Jamal Murray has had some injuries in which kept him out of basketball to the point to where a lot of people were feeling some type of way. But what he displayed this postseason is, number one, he understands his body, and he understood when it was time for him to get back to basketball, it was going to be time for him to get back to basketball. And that was, wasn't going to be anyone else's decision. Also on this journey, this playoffs, he averaged 26.1 points per game, five rebounds and seven assists. And him and Jokic was the best duo throughout this playoffs. Better than Kevin Durant, better than Devin Booker. They showed up consistently in every series that they had. And I just think it's it's one of those things where Jamal Murray, and you've seen the emotions on his face last night and the tears of joy and, you know, him screaming and, and hollering because he's so excited. Because when you think about all the things you had to get to to get to that point, that's when it's satisfying. But it also makes you understand this one thing right here. You can't revert back. The showing that you put on in this NBA playoffs is Jamal Murray that people have to see at this point moving forward. Uh, it's so true that you can't revert back, but it also is like, I don't know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, look at the way we see Devin Booker, who was already a superstar in the eyes of many, but then KD came along, and all of a sudden things, in a short sample size, things got really easy for Book, right? Like, there's this moment for me where, I'm not saying that this is easy for Jamal Murray, but when you have somebody like Jokic that's facilitating and taking away all the attention and blah, 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 it allows Murray to really ascend 
and there's a comfort in this whole process. I think that's one of the things I just kept feeling when you were watching the two of them together, that they're helping each other be the best versions of them, themselves because they're so stinking comfortable together, right? Like, this isn't a new thing. This is two guys that, frankly, have both been paid. They played together for a second, and then all of a sudden, now they get this attention, these eyeballs. I don't know that what Jokic and Murray is doing has changed that much. I just wonder if we're paying more attention to it. And because right place, right time, finally get healthy, they go through. What we now see is that Bubble Murray wasn't Bubble Murray. That's healthy Murray, right? So yep. now my only question is, can he stay healthy? And by the way, he he did talk to Roz Golden Wude on ESPN Radio about his journey to being a world champion after they won. This is a little what he had to say. Just been through a lot. Um, just been through a lot. It's, it's surreal at this moment. Um, we, did, we did the impossible, to be honest. We believe from the get-go. I don't know. I don't have words right now. I mean, I, there is a little bit of emotion to all of this in my mind, Harry, because, <laughs> my God, he said we believe from the get-go, and you're right. When people were questioning whether or not he came back fast enough and was he was he tough enough and all of these stupid things that were being said about somebody injured trying to find their way back on the, the court, it has to feel redeeming to put up this performance. Uh, and I'll tell you, Fitz, and – it's kind of hitting home for me a little bit because when you go through things, and I, I went through an ACL, MCL, meniscus, and a bone fracture all on one play, right? So when you get to certain places in life, literally, you're excited at that moment, but the first thing you literally think about is what it took to get to that point. But also, it also lets you know it'd be a cold day in hell before somebody take it away from you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just going to be easy for somebody to come in and say, we're going to, we're going to knock you off this block. And, and that's what you're hearing from Jamal Murray, that emotions, because he's thinking about what it took for him to get to that point. And it's, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's going to be tough. You're going to have ebbs and flows. You're going to have speed bumps. But always stay true to yourself and believe that things could be done and have that vision for your life. So I'm excited for Jamal Murray. I feel like Jamal Murray's ascension is going to come in part because of what we just saw. Like one of the things that I I just, to me, it's undeniable in sports, is that when somebody goes on a big run, whatever that run is, a playoff run, a Super Bowl run, whatever our sport, when you go to the postseason run of it and all of the eyeballs suddenly pay attention to it, what happens at the beginning of the next season? At the beginning of the next season, we're watching more, right? We're paying more attention. Uh, Jamal Murray this year having a 40-point night in the middle of February isn't going to make a lot of radars. Jamal Murray next year having a 40-point night? going to pay attention. Why? Because of what we just saw, right? Because this is now a different level of star. This is somebody you have to pay attention to. Like, legacies are born in part in the playoffs because we're paying more attention, right? Yes, and and I'll say this too, though. You're thankful for that championship, that NBA Finals championship, but you also understand that you can't be satisfied because those hound dogs are coming. Oh, So God. you have to push yourself to be excellent moving forward. And, and the thing of it is, like, sure, Michael Malone seems to have the, the, the pulse of this entire team. I will say that. But I think that there's some element of just the natural thing that you've gone through when you are – Jamal Murray and you've had people doubt every step of the way you now get your opportunity and now you come into next year like I, I heard Brian Windhorst this morning mention that Jamal Murray is going to be up for another contract 
but he may wait a year because next year he could be even better. Why? It's not that he's going to play better, but frankly, the All-NBA team has as much to do with if people are paying attention day one as it does to do with how you're playing, right? Like, more people paying more attention to Jamal Murray means more likelihood he ends up on an All-NBA team, and that has everything to do with the way he just played. Right or wrong, that's just the way the system works in my mind. And that means more money in his pockets for his family to take care of them, to leave a legacy, to add to his legacy. You know what I mean? So Jamal Murray, I think moving forward, I think we haven't even seen the best of Jamal Murray yet. Yeah. I I, I honestly believe like he's scratching the surface. Like we've before this playoff run, we've got the bits and pieces. But I think moving forward, Jamal Murray is going to be even that much more better and I think he takes some pressure off of Jokic. Jokic uh, takes pressure off of him. And they complement one another so doggone well, Fitz. That's the, man, that's the biggest part of it. Like, it's not just about being great. It's about two guys being great together, right? Like, that's so much of this. And about, uh, frankly, you know, coach knowing how to get to the heart of everybody, which uh, is also something that Jamal Murray talked about after the game when he talked about specifically Michael Malone's ability to continue to push him. I just think he he had continual trust in my game and what I'm trying to do out there. And uh, you know when I'm when I'm bringing the energy, making shots or not, um, he he trusts me to make the right play out there. And uh, you know I got out of him sometime during the season, like, hey, we're not we're not your little kids anymore. You know we're we're, we're grown men, and um, if we make a mistake, just just come talk to us, just come, come talk to us. And um, you know when we weren't that good, he had to have that kind of authority and defensive mindset and just get honest and. and and pull it out of us. Now it's like we know what we need to do to win. We know what to expect from each other. And we can get it, get on each other um, to push each other to be better. I mean, that speaks to just the right – it's the right ingredients, knowing the right combinations with the right pace at the right – like all of this is why I hate so much of what we look at with comp, with, with championships, Harry, because you know this. Like you can be the best wide receiver in the world. you got to have a great re- relationship with your quarterback. you got to have a great relationship with the coach. Everybody has to be on the right page at the right time. Like it's just such a fluky, beautiful thing to win a championship. Well, that's the thing about team sports, right? Everyone has to be on the same page. Everyone has to have the same vision. Right, you you got to be able to have tough skin. You got to be able to accept constructive criticism. You got to understand that there's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be ebbs and flows. Like you got to be able to remain cool, calm, and collected as well. Everything isn't going to go right, but also when things do go right, celebrate those, man. Don't sit there and wait. Say, oh, I won't have time. No, when things go right, celebrate it. I learned that from my pastor. We spend so much time. Like when we do great things, not celebrating it. <laughs> and then one thing can go wrong and we'll spend 21 damn days on that one thing. But we won't celebrate the million things that we do right. Ironic that you say that only less than 24 hours removed from a championship where Michael Malone is saying, hey, it's not about this one. It's about as many as we can possibly get. Uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts Loaner Tool Program has more than 80 specialty loaner tools available to help you with your next repair. Refundable deposit required. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. All right. With all this talk about the Nuggets, Jokic has won the NBA title. Now that he's done that, Who's next? We'll break it down. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
The Denver Nuggets are world champions. God, I hope 24 hours from now I'm saying the same thing about the Vegas Golden Knights. I just want to be clear about that. I'm going to be insufferable tomorrow if I'm lucky enough to know what it feels like to have a team that wins a championship. Uh, In the meantime, Nuggets fans feel that, and there's a sense of relief. If you're you're Nikola Jokic and you've listened to everybody tell you that you have to get it done, otherwise your window is closing or maybe you can't win a championship, all of these narratives about pressure has us thinking about the pressure meter. So this is what we're going to do on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, uh, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to go through the pressure meter. We're going to go through a list of names in the NBA, and we're going to give them a number of pressure. Right? This is the pressure meter number. On a scale of zero, there's no pressure at all, all the way to 10. There's so much pressure, I can't believe it's happening. Zero all the way to 10. All right. Here's the key, though. We can't give out any number twice, so there can only be one 10. So kind of like Harry's a perfect 10 on this show while I'm a solid 9, and, you know, Evan and Devin are... On different parts of the spectrum. What? Like, I, I, I kid, I kid, I kid. All right, so uh, Evan's going to give us a name, and then we will give that name a number. But remember, you can only give a number out once, so you must be very, very careful. Are you ready, Evan? Yeah, a lot of pressure here. All right, what do you got for us? What's the first name? Joel Embiid. Scale of 0 to 10, Harry. You want me to go first, or you want to go first no, on Joel Embiid? I, okay. I have Joel Embiid at a 9. Okay. Um, We're talking about a guy who won MVP this past season, but we're talking about the process that they named what they were trying to do in Philadelphia, and the process has come up short every single time. I think also the health of Joel Embiid the last two years, last year was a knee issue, the year before that it was an orbital fracture in his face, but we also just witnessed Nikola Jokic, a guy he was basically going head-to-head with on top of Giannis, uh, three-man race in the MVP this season we just seen him win an NBA championship at that center position so I think that puts more pressure on Joel Embiid to win a championship that's why I haven't met a nine fits I I love what you said you're almost right he's a 10 he's a perfect 10 all the way at the top of the list and for that exact same reason because when you've won an MVP but not a championship eventually the tide turns and the conversation right or wrong becomes well you're just can you win a championship with this guy that's why I'm afraid we're going to teeter with Embiid especially coming off of Giannis having his championship Jokic has his championship if Embiid doesn't get it done the pressure will mount Evan who do we have next Paul George remember we can't give a number out twice so Paul George Harry what you got I have Paul George at a six. This is a guy who's never had an opportunity to, to get to an um, NBA Finals. So I should say didn't make an NBA Finals. LeBron James stopped him a lot when he was in Indiana. Um, health issues, I think, has derailed his chances since he's been with the Los Angeles Clippers. But I just feel like we have this, 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 this phrase, playoff P. Well, I think playoff P should be able to help lead his team get to an NBA Finals. Part of that has to do with health as well. I, I totally agree. I actually wrote down six also for Paul George. Uh, I, I think it would be higher, but for some reason, he just sort of stays above, stays right below the radar for everybody on stuff like this. I don't know why. I'm with you. Maybe it's because it's been a few years since we've seen him healthy at his best, but we both went sixes there. Huh? Look at that. All right. Who do you got next for us, Evan? On the pressure meter, We're getting, remember, we can only give the number out once. Zero to ten is the scale. Who do we have next? Luka Doncic. Oh. So, surprisingly, I have Luka at a two. And the reason why I have Luka so low is because, you know, unexpectedly, 
not this past season, but before that, he was able to help the Dallas Mavericks get to a Western Conference Finals. And I don't know how the hell he, he was able to do it, but he was able to do it. On top of, we're still trying to figure out what other person we can pair with Luka for them to even make a NBA Finals appearance. So we're still trying to figure those things out, but he's a brilliant basketball mind, offensive genius. I, I, I will put him in that category. So I have him as a two. There's a reason why we're brothers with very different mothers, uh, because I had him at a three. Uh, I agree. I think you know part of it is you're in Dallas. Part of it, to your point, is that you've had so much success already, and we've seen him single-handedly will his team through the playoffs. So I think he gets a little bit of cooked-in benefit there. But yeah, three feels about right for me. We're in the same range on all of these so far as we go through the pressure meter. Uh, on a scale of 0 to 10, who has the most pressure on them to win a title? Evan has given us the names. Who do you have next, Evan? Yeah, we'll go to Luca's partner in crime in Dallas, Kyrie Irving. So I have Kyrie at a 4. I have him at a 4. Um, he's a guy that already has an NBA championship. I don't care if it was with LeBron, but he showed that he can be that. He showed that he can be that Robin to a Batman. The only thing is, I don't think Kyrie Irving can do it by himself. And that has also been proven. So I'm going to put him at a four right now. I actually, staggeringly different number than you on this. I have him at a nine. And I have him at a nine Ooh. in this whole thing because, to your point, he's won a title and nobody seems to give a damn. It doesn't change the conversation we want to have about Kyrie constantly. The only way he changes that conversation and gets people to shut up about everything else is if he comes out and wins a title. If Kyrie comes out and wins a title, then all of a sudden it will quiet some of the rest of it around him. Until then, they're going to talk more about the pain in the ass he is off the court than whatever he's done on the court. As a result, if he has, if he wants to change the conversation, he has all the pressure in the world. Nothing short of a title will make people change the way they talk about Kyrie Irving in my mind. So that's why I put him at a 9, a very high number for Kyrie, my second highest, which would make sense since you can only go to 10. Ev, who do we have next? Yeah, how about the guy he played with in Brooklyn all those years, Kevin Durant. How much pressure's on him? So I have KD at a 7. Um, and the reason why I have him at a, at a 7 is because he left the Golden State Warriors after winning two titles to go form and team up with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. Well, that went to crumbles. And not only did he leave the Golden State Warriors to go to Brooklyn, but he forced his way out of Brooklyn to go to Phoenix. Now he's paired up with Devin Booker, and I just want to see him be able to win an NBA championship without the Warriors, so that's why I have him at a 7. So, again, we vary greatly on this one as we go through the pressure meter. I have him as a 1, and for the exact same reasons that I had KD at a 9, I have him as a 1. I don't think there's any pressure because I don't think anything's going to change anybody's minds. I genuinely believe KD could go in, lead the league in scoring, and have an undefeated season this year. And people would still find a reason why it's Devin Booker's win and not his. So many people are dug in on KD because of the Warriors thing. I just don't think they're going to give him any credit no matter what. I give him a one. You want to get another one in here real quick, Kevin? Got one more for us? Yeah, how about the guy who lost last night? Jimmy Butler. Ooh, Timothy Butler. Ooh. How I, have Jim, I have Jimmy at a five. I have him at a, as a five. Okay. That's it. Just got him at a five right in the middle. All right. He's going quick. I, I get I I'm at a seven. Actually, I put him at a seven, not at a five, because I do think that part of the lasting legacy of Jimmy Butler now is going to be two losses in the finals, including one where, for whatever reasons, 
he didn't play the way we expected Timothy Butler to play. So I do think there's a little pressure because this is going to mount over the years. Like at some point, it's no longer the heroic effort. It's the it wasn't enough conversation. All right. So a little bit of our pressure meter going on a scale of zero to 10. A fun exercise coming up. One athlete who says he thrives in chaos. So what does that mean when his sport is the most chaotic it's ever been? We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I'm just saying, at this point, if you're like me and you like, I don't know, Bravo, for example, you like to watch Below Deck, shows like that, Vanderpump Rules is the most chaotic cluster you-know-what in the history of reality TV shows right now. Vanderpump Rules has become a social media phenomenon because everybody hates everybody and nobody's sure how to resolve it, but you know you can't take your eyes away from it. It is like just a just a train wreck every single time everybody speaks on that show. That's how I'm starting to feel about golf right now because living the PGA is giving us what golf can't give us half the time, which is drama everywhere that we're all invested in. All you have to do is say drama, and people are just absolutely flocking to it. So to get some expertise about the drama, because certainly Harry and I are going to focus mostly on that portion of it. Mark Slaybaugh, ESPN golf reporter, joins the show. Mark, I want to start by playing you this. This is what Brooks Kepka just said at his press conference about the, the vibe, the environment, everything going on between PGA and Liv. It's the more chaotic things get, the easier it gets for me. Everything starts to slow down and um, I'm able to focus on whatever I need to focus on while everybody else is dealing with distractions, worrying about other things. Is that the key reason why you think you peak at these majors? I think there's a few of them, but um, I think it's definitely one of them. I enjoy the chaos. All right, Mark, what's been the reaction to Kepka's comments? I mean, I think, I think he's telling the truth. I mean, I, I think Brooks locks in better than most, and we've seen – you know, the, the burden that Rory McElroy has carried the last several months as kind of the, the spokesman and the most, most loyal supporter of the PGA Tour. But, um, you know, it's it's chaos. Nobody knows what the heck's going on. So, Mark, how much did Kepka's win at the PGA Championship help, help expedite the deal between the public investment fund and, and the PGA Tour? I don't think much. I mean, I think it said more about Brooks's game and where he's at and, and that he's healthy more than it, it said about any sort of legitimacy for live golf. Yeah, Bryson DeChambeau and some other guys, you know, jumped on his back and, and took credit and said this legitimizes live. We told you all we could play fewer tournaments and still compete in majors and show up at these things and win. But, you know, if, if Brooks hadn't been hurt two years ago and dislocated his knee, I, I think there's a pretty good chance he never goes to live. It took him a while to convince him to go over there. But, you know, this is just something that has more to do with the PGA Tour having to dole out $50 million and looking at another $50 million if this thing's dragged out in court and you can't compete with the Saudis when it comes to money and paying lawyers. Ah, that is such a true and factual way of putting it all. Mark Slaybaugh, ESPN golf reporter, joining us right now. So you're around this, and part of what we're looking at is trying to figure out how these guys are all going to coexist. What are you expecting from everybody? 
Yeah, they they got along in Augusta because Augusta National makes you get along. If you step out of line at Augusta National, there's a good chance you're not coming back because that club invites who it wants to, and that doesn't mean you necessarily have to come back the next year unless you're a past champion. Um, I think Augusta National did a good job of establishing the ground rules and kind of setting the precedent. precedent everybody got along, and then that carried over to Rochester. Um, you know, I know some guys are upset with Bryson DeChambeau and the comments he made on CNN last week about feeling sorry for PGA Tour guys who turned down the money and didn't get theirs, and and now the, the PGA Tour kind of turned their back on them and took the Saudi money. I know guys are upset with him. Martin Keimer, a past U.S. Open champion from Germany, you know, made some comments to a newspaper in London that guys who said they wouldn't sell their soul and wouldn't take the blood money, now they have to go play in Japan on the Japanese tour because the PGA Tour did it for them. Well, I think that leads us to what John Rahm said earlier today. Like, he felt betrayed by management with the decision to unify Liv in the PGA Tour. How does that sentiment compare to what, you know, you've heard from around the PGA Tour? Yeah, I was in Toronto last week for the Canadian Open, and, you know, it, it wasn't a really deep field, but Justin Rose told me, you know, Jay Monahan's got a hung jury. He's got a split membership in terms of support. Some guys will never get over it. Some guys understand it was a business decision and it was a controversial deal and it was a sensitive deal. So they had to keep it quiet. There were probably only four or five people in the world who actually knew what was going on. Um, Lucas Glover told me a lot of guys on tour wanted a pound of flesh. Um, you know, Brant Snedeker told me that, you know, it was a pretty divided membership. There were guys in that meeting in Toronto last week who shouted at Jay to resign. They didn't trust him. They couldn't trust him anymore. And he needed to step down. So it just, I think cooler heads have prevailed for the most part. Some guys got some answers, didn't get a lot of details just because it's not finalized yet. But I think they figured out that it, it really wasn't a merger, which is what the PGA Tour and DP World Tour and, and PIF said it was in the beginning. And it's more of an alliance. Um, you know, so I think, I think, I think they've, Tensions have kind of cooled down, but the big question going forward is if Live Golf folds, and I've been told that that's going to be Monahan's decision alone, how do you let those guys come back? Are they going to face suspensions? Are they going to face fines? And, you know, if they were just to walk back over like nothing happened, I don't think that would sit well with the majority of PGA Tour members. Mark, how long is it going to take for all of this to heal and for us to just move on and feel normal? Yeah, the the first thing, guys, they got to see if they can get this deal across the finish line. There's been one congressional subcommittee already open one inquiry into the structure of the deal. I wouldn't be surprised if the Department of Justice gets involved. They were already investigating the PGA Tour for antitrust behavior, alleged antitrust behavior. Um, you know, there's a lot of antitrust attorneys I've talked to in the last week who don't think this thing will go through. I think there's a 100% chance DOJ regulators will look at it. It's still got to be approved by the PJ Tour Policy Board. So there, there's a lot of things still out there that have to happen for this alliance to actually take place. But, you know, from what I've been told, Live Golf will play its season out through the end of November. I think their team championships in Saudi Arabia 
in early November, then Monaghan's going to take a look at Live Golf and decide whether or not it has a place in the golf ecosystem going forward. The Saudis are losing more than $2 billion a year in that endeavor. I'd be surprised, as deep as their pockets are, that they want to continue. I've had people tell me they don't expect Live Golf to to be in its present form beyond this season. So it's going to be months, if not year, another year before things settle down. Mark, I, we really appreciate your expertise on this. It's all so hard to figure out for guys like us. You make us smarter and better at what we do. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for giving us the insight. Yep, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. That's Mark Slava, ESPN golf reporter. Harry, I, I can't imagine. Like, you got a group of people that have been doing nothing but you-know-what talking to each other for the last how long. Everybody's saying certain people are hunting down blood money, blah, 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 blah. Now all of a sudden they're in one room together. Now all of a sudden they're on one tour together. Now all of a sudden they're playing together. And some of them got independently, like, some of them got rich, 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 rich in the process of doing exactly what you said they shouldn't do. I cannot imagine what it would be like for a bunch of these athletes to come back together. Well, I love what Brooks Kepka said. He loves the chaos. Because any advantage that you can have out there while you're on that course, you want to have that advantage. And if everyone else is worried about other things, but you're able to zoom focus, that's why I used to love playing in cold weather fits because a ton of people are worried about how cold it is and it's in the teens. Well, any advantage that you can get out there, um, whatever sport that you're playing, you're looking for it. Yeah, that's a great point by you, by the way. The ability to focus through all of this is easier said than done. And all eyes are going to be on every single tournament through the course of this, not on the golf, but on the drama around the golf to figure out how these guys interact with each other. Oh, we'll it's going to be some drama for somebody's mama. We'll yes, it is. We'll keep you updated. I don't think I've ever seen more people excited to go to the Travelers. It's a golf tournament that happens up here in about a week and a half. And everybody, maybe two weeks, and everybody's sitting here just saying, oh, what's going what's, what's to happen? Like it has become a circus at this point. Coming up, why Nikola Jokic's title impacts everyone else trying to win the MVP next year. I'll explain why next on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Now we're talking about somebody that's going to come into next year with even more benefit of the doubt, even more of a Q rating, as they always like to say in our business, like even more of sort of a resonance with voters and with fans. People are going to pay more attention to the greatness we just saw through this run. This, that's why I think this is the beginning of another chapter for Jokic, because he already has the two MVPs. But you can't tell me next year he goes in and repeats the exact performance he had this year. He'll be the MVP because now he's got even more eyeballs every single night that will simply 
simply come in from the outset saying, my God, you can't stop the greatness of Jokic. Like, it's just, it feels like his brand takes another step, even if he doesn't give a damn about it, even if he cares more about living in Serbia with his horses. Like, his brand, when it comes to voters, fans, attention in the NBA, is all going to take another step this year. Three hours later. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive commercial insurance flexes to fit your business's needs from quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options. Progressive commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes at progressivecommercial.com. You just heard me say it. I won't repeat all of it, Harry, but I stand by it three hours later as I listen to my real brilliance, let's just be honest there, about the way we're going to see Nikola Jokic going into next year. It just feels like that's what gets heaped on your shoulders. Look no further than Giannis. Like, the conversation around Giannis changed right or wrong after he wins an NBA championship. The minute a guy that's an MVP wins a championship, all of a sudden they can do no wrong and they get that benefit of the doubt. So now the pressure is off of Jokic's shoulders. It transfers maybe to Embiid's. And in the meantime, without that pressure, he continues to do exactly what he does. He's going to win more MVPs. That's just the way it works. Yeah, I would say this. Kudos to Jokic for being able to to withstand that pressure or... As we had Ryan Clark on today, Jokic might not have ever gave a damn about the pressure, right? That's just his personality. That's just who he is. But long story short, he gave us all something to watch and be mesmerized about. That's playing the game of basketball at the center position in a way that we just aren't accustomed to seeing. Being able to take a rebound and lead the break and be a facilitator but score buckets in crunch time when his team needed him the most, whether it was the Lakers series, whether it was the game last night that clinched them the NBA championship when the Miami Heat went to a zone, being able to shoot the trifecta, which is from the three-point line, shooting a hell of a, a percentage at the free throw line, just you know playing with his back to the basket, being in a triple, just a multiplicity of different things that Nikola Jokic can do. But I think him winning the NBA championship, is also going to give him grace when it comes to things that, you know, could be debated or you're splitting hairs with another person that's in the NBA moving forward. That's what an NBA championship and a finals MVP does for you, especially when you do it in the manner that Nikola Jokic did it in. Yeah, and let's just be honest, too. Financially, like... Uh, the life that he has lived, because remember, he spends his offseason playing with his horses in you know, Serbia. According to the Google machine, so far in his career, he's made $150 million, $150.5 million. I should tell you that I Googled it here. The average annual income in American dollars in Serbia is $15,888 a year. That's average. So he's got $150 million, and he goes back home where the average income is $15,888 a year. I'm just saying. But you, but you know what that also tells me, though? Different. It, it also tells me, though, him growing up, his appreciation for things that, you know, we probably take for granted over here. God, yes. probably at a high level. God, yes. Now, you're, you're, that's a great point by you, Harry. Like, it, it speaks to what RC said earlier. He didn't grow up here worshiping the same athletic heroes that we worship. Like, yeah. it's just. It hits different. If you're Jokic, all of this hits different. Your priorities are different. The money in the bank is different. The way you live your life is different. He's a different superstar. Speaking of different superstars, Stefan Diggs also different in different ways to a lot of people. We should catch you up on some breaking developments. As you may have heard earlier, uh, it was made clear by Coach Sean McDermott that uh, that Stefan Diggs was not at minicamp. However, 
Diggs' agent clarified that. The Bills have clarified that. He was at meetings Monday and Tuesday morning but did not participate in practice. Bills quarterback Josh Allen said that internally we're working on some things, quote, not football-related. Allen said he has no doubt they'll figure out what's going on and there's th- and that there's things he could do better. <laughs> Allen reiterated that Diggs, uh, he loves Diggs and has his back. I, man, that this all feels weird. It's well, weird. well, when it's third down and Stephon Diggs is your best player, number one, when he's wide open, hit him with the damn ball. <laughs> number two, if he's wide open on another route, make sure you're looking his doggone way because he's probably going to be wide open because since the arrival of Stephon Diggs, your quarterback play has skyrocketed. So that's just a guy that I would you know look for uh, a ton, even though you have done it a ton. Overlook for Stephon Diggs on the football field. I will also, I will also say this, though. You know, sometimes behind closed doors, when you get in those meetings and you see a third down miss um, by Josh Allen, it might not get scrutinized like someone else that may mess up on something. So, you know, being able to, you know, coach everyone the same way may be something that Stefan Diggs is harping on here. Man, that's such an important part. I, uh, the players I've talked to that work for ESPN often will say that the best coaches are the ones that were willing to rip into anybody. Because you'd look around and say, man, if he's ripping into him, he's going to rip into me too, right? Like, and not every quarterback takes that well, and not every player takes that well, but if that's going to be part of your culture, you're 1,000% right. Like, if Sean McDermott's going to rip into anybody in that that uh, film room, you're going to have to rip into your quarterback for missing Stephon Diggs on third downs. And also, I think we've learned a very important lesson here that you wide receivers have long memories when it comes to be Like, he, you, he, <laughs> Stephon Diggs sitting around being like, I would like before we start Bro, practice. This I, I remembered a play that specifically <laughs> happened in the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals game, and I don't even play damn football anymore. So you best to believe we remember things. I, I would love to be in the room and watch Diggs walk into the meeting Monday morning and say, before we start, I would just like an apology for the following three <laughs> plays from last year. And Coach Staff looking at him and saying, You want what? It's like, I would love I would like Josh to walk in the room and apologize to me for not getting me the ball. I, I mean, we joke about this, but these are the things, as much as we love where the Bills are, they got to get this ironed out right now, Harry, because the Bills are in must-win Super Bowl window opportunities right now. Well, you know, there's a lot of pressure on their quarterback to deliver, especially when the last three seasons you lost to Joe Burrow, who came into your house and beat you in Buffalo, in which at the moment you were undefeated in the playoffs in Buffalo since Josh Allen was your quarterback. Also, Patrick Mahomes has been the dark cloud hanging over the Buffalo Bills and uh, as well as Josh Allen and trying to push forward and get to a Super Bowl. So now you have two guys, and also you have younger guys that just got drafted this season that's going to be in the AFC on top of Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, now the arrival of Aaron Rodgers. The gauntlet has gotten much more tougher for the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. And by the way, ain't none of those Chiefs receivers clapping back to Mahomes about anything. And by the way, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have a long-standing friendship. Uh, these are the moments, the little nuances that can make a difference between finishing second or first in the AFC are popping out. Candy and Carlin, always first place with us. They're coming up next. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.